you're listening to a Big MX Radio Podcast. Brought to you by Arma Energy. Presented by Fly Racing, W Wheels, Bill's Pipes, Just One Helmets, X-Brand Goggles, Shades of Grey Custom Helmet Painting, Rhino Power Sports Supplements, Roy Borton Suspension, Watts Perfections, and Golden Tire. Simply the best, motocross and supercross news from around the globe. And now, here's your host, Brad Gephardt. Welcome to the Arma Energy Drink Big MX Radio Podcast Show, brought to you by Fly Racing, X-Brand Goggles, Just One Helmets, and W Wheels. As usual, I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. With me on the line, we've got the number eight machine on the Devil's Lake MX Yamaha. Uh, he's a bit, a bit laid up right now, but uh, Dylan Kalen, how are you this Monday afternoon? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, just hanging out in bed right now, currently. Uh just killing some time and figuring out what I'm going to be up to for the next few months here. Broadcasting from the bedroom of Dylan Kalen. Never thought I'd have the opportunity, but uh, here we are, Monday, uh, May 11th. Um, why are you in bed uh, in the middle of uh, the afternoon on a Monday, sir? Well, usually I'd be out riding or training, but uh, unfortunately last Thursday during our team photo shoot, I had a had a little slip up and um washed out on a real slow speed crash. We were just doing some uh stop pivot wheelie shots out of a corner and uh basically front end kind of tucked a little bit and my rear tire went over the berm and it resulted in my bars hitting my good knee and uh unfortunately I had torn my MCL and ACL in my left knee. So I currently have no ACLs in either knee and uh, no MCL in my left knee and I'm on crutches and just kind of cooped up right now for the next uh, four to six weeks from what I'm told. Okay. So uh, a big change to your program. Uh, obviously uh, these you're, you'd be the second Yamaha guy that I can think of that uh, ends up getting bitten during a photo shoot, the first being uh, David Villeman back in 2002 uh, when he was riding a 125 for the Transworld Motorcycle uh, Motocross cameras. And now you, uh, 15-some years later, uh, photo shoot, and uh, yeah, you said both knees now, uh, sounding a little bit about uh, one of my fellow Manitobans that races professionally. Uh one knee's not so good, and then the the other one uh, popping out on you, neither one. Uh, is the plan to get both fixed at some point uh, before you return back to action, or uh, what's the prognosis? Yeah, basically, um, I'd like to get both fixed. Right now, I'm in a I'm in a brace and on crutches and no weight bearing on my left knee. Uh, they want to give my MCL some time to start healing on its own yeah. and uh from there i just got my first appointment with the specialist on may 26th and i will go in and get my uh my knee assessed then and i'm sure they're going to want to do surgery on one knee and i'm going to try to get uh get both knees done because my right knee does is uh pretty banged up as well and i know i haven't had any acl in my right knee since uh 2012 i've just been kind of making do with it but um, unfortunately, now that I got two bum knees, it's kind of time to uh, 
take a breather and stop and assess the situation and get everything handled so that I can be a hundred percent in the future. Totally. Uh, great plan for you, especially the fact that uh, you're having very unstable footing right now with both. Uh, if you can, uh, obviously, I think you, you might have taken a few steps with uh, uh, the the MCL and the ACL tear. Um, clue, clue the fans in a little bit on the sensation that uh, that they'd be looking for on the knee if they'd, they do happen to uh, come across that injury. Or maybe just a good, uh, good look into uh, what you're dealing with. Yeah, I mean, basically, when you blow a knee out, you know right away whether you've done it or not. It's like you get such a strong pop feeling in your knee. Like when I did this one, it went through my whole body. And it almost—you almost would think that the person standing by you could hear it. It pops so much, and uh, instantly. I mean, usually it starts swelling, and it's uh, right away you get a lot of instability in your knee and a lot of popping and cracking and basically you go to walk and it feels like it's going to give out hyper extend and your knee's going to give out the back. And then uh, the sensation I get with my MCL being torn is it just feels like it could fall. My knee just feels like it could give out to the inside or the outside if I don't plant it perfectly because uh, actually when I did my knee on Thursday, I was walking around that night trying to pretend like I didn't just wreck a knee. And I was trying to convince myself that that didn't just happen. And uh it wasn't until about the middle of the night when I was sleeping that my knee seized up and started swelling, and then it became, you know, painful. Not not anything over the top, but yeah. uh, whenever you get swelling in a joint, it gets sore, and it started throbbing, and uh, I got up at 4 in the morning and just drove myself to the hospital to get the whole process started on seeing doctors and getting referred to an OR surgeon and all that stuff, so... Uh, at that point, I knew I knew it was done, and uh, I knew pretty much that there's no way I could compete or train with two blown out knees. I mean, you're just beating a dead horse trying to train properly and ride when you got two wrecked knees. Hundred uh, percent. I do have quite a few American listeners and uh, Amer- and uh, Canadian uh, ERs. Uh, emergency rooms are kind of notorious for a long wait period uh what cut what that what did you face when you did eventually get to the hospital at four o'clock in the morning on uh thursday evening uh, i didn't i didn't see a doctor till about six thirty in the morning i got a room and he basically came in grabbed my knee and did the test twisted for it for two seconds MC. yeah yeah go ahead okay uh yeah they um Basically, I was in the, the waiting room for about two and a half hours, and uh, then a doctor came in and just did the test and got a couple x-rays and basically told me my ACL and MCL is fudged and that he was going to refer me off to a sports clinic and a specialist, and I just got a call today, and the date to see the specialist is May 26th, and I went in there last, uh, would have been Friday morning, so that's just uh just over two weeks two and a half weeks to see the specialist and then from there you gotta uh see the or surgeon and it's his discretion whether he wants to do surgery or not and then uh, i'm sure he will and at that point i'll have to wait and get a surgery date so hopefully sooner than later when i did my right acl for the first time i had to wait i think it was uh two months Mm -hmm. and i've heard of people waiting up to six months to get knee surgery before in canada so uh, unfortunately, our healthcare, yes, it's cheap and it doesn't cost us much money, but at the end of the day, we have to wait a long time in, as an athlete. And 
someone who's uh lives an, a- an active lifestyle and just wants to heal it's definitely a uh, a slow painful road 100 percent. i know uh, i did my shoulder uh the last time i popped it out was 2011 uh had to wait a full calendar year to get surgery had to wait six months to uh to get back on the bike but by then of course it was winter time again so in another six months before i got on the bike almost two full seasons uh missed for uh just waiting on surgeries waiting on recovery so uh, hopefully you don't run into something like that and uh yeah this is a huge contrast to uh our american neighbors who uh safe to say that if this has happened to you last thursday and you were uh, down in socal you might be fixed already yeah, exactly. Basically, if uh, if you have good health insurance down there and your coverage, you pretty much get to pick and choose where you want to go. And you say they they more so cater to you. Where here you're under their discretion and what they want to do with you, and you basically wait around on our healthcare system. Where in the states, you know, you get what you pay for for your health coverage, and you get to pick and choose. And uh, basically, you say. I want to get this knee done and I want to get my other knee done, then they'll go ahead and do it for you as long as you got the coverage or you're willing to pay. And we, uh, fortunately we don't really have that option up here. No, we do not. But, uh, you had some, some great opportunities ahead of you, uh, going into this season, unfortunately with the injury, but, uh, I got to imagine that, uh, you were super excited to be just having these companies behind you, like Devil's Lake Yamaha, uh, had you outfitted with uh, Dr. D, Answer Gear, Showy Helmets, Oakley Goggles, which every racer uh, hope, hopes that their team is sponsored by Oakley Goggles, great goggles, uh, even though this is an expert goggle con- uh, podcast, Dunlop Tires, uh, VP Racing Fuels, uh, Maxima Oils, Motovan, like, name it all, you guys uh, had it going on, so, uh, like, how excited were you to coming into the season? I was I was definitely looking forward to it. I mean, it was uh, it was great to be staying with the same team from 2014, and we had changed a few plans to develop the bikes and get more testing in and more time on the bikes. For last year, I basically came straight from working and jumped on the bike and lined up with minimal prep and. Uh, they were right behind me when I said that I wanted to commit a hundred percent this season and do things right. And I spent, I spent the month of January training hard at home. And then I was working with Trevor, picking up bikes, assembling new bikes, getting them ready to get built. And, uh, I mean, we had all of our race bikes and everything ready to go on Monday last week. So we had a, you know, a full month to, to prep everything and do last minute testing. Like basically our bikes were race ready last week. So it was great that all of our sponsors and suppliers of the team were behind us and were able to get everything ready to roll nice and early. So it wasn't rushed. And I mean, Trevor worked his butt off this winter to uh, ensure we got good sponsorship. And I had a lot of personal sponsors like Forma Boots, Atlas Brace, Oakley Goggles, Descent Lab, and uh, a few other ones that stuck with me um, for 2015 and provided me with a lot of good support for this summer. And it's a shame that I uh, I won't be able to represent their product at, at the Nationals, but uh, I guess that's just the way it goes with motocross. And it's the, the risk we all take every time we gear up. Well, you, you could always just uh, like kit yourself up head to toe uh, after you're done with the, uh, the 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 thirty degree knee brace, and uh, like after you get surgery, just walk around in your gear and and rep those companies. You know, man, that that that's an option right there. 
Yeah, absolutely. Just run the pickup kit at <laughs> yeah, the gym and why uh, see what I can make happen. Yeah, just turn turn those jerseys into a, a cut up, slice the sleeves off as necessary, and uh, uh, and go to it, man. Uh, you guys are looking sweet, by the way. Uh, the black and red motif. I got to imagine uh, you're pretty pumped about that, especially uh, like for those Americans who uh, only only saw the, the the white and red from uh, the early or late '80s. Uh, Yamahas were white and red up up here for quite some time. Yeah, I mean, our bikes look great, and it's a, kind of a one-off thing that the team does uh, with the Canadian image and the white and red that the Yamaha runs as a brand um, as well. So most teams all run blue, but Yamaha likes the fact that we represent the white and red side and the the red Yamaha logo. It, it goes good on the bikes, and it's definitely a different colorway, but it's, it stands out so much, and uh, Ride Industries does such a good job on our graphics, and Moto Seat made us some some custom seat covers to go along with the bikes this year. And they really, they came out looking great. It's a, yeah, I mean, I, every time I see that bike, I just cringe a little bit knowing that I don't get the races this summer. Well, hopefully you'll be, uh, you'll be good to go uh, next year, most likely running a little bit higher digit, but uh, nevertheless, uh, looking forward to seeing you in 2016. Um, what about those form of boots? Uh, I've only heard good things. Marco Dubé, uh, one of the uh, primary distributors of those particular boots here in uh, Canada. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an Italian brand, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, what are your thoughts on the formas? I love them. I mean, they're a, they're a great boot. And I wore um, Garnet SC12s for a long time before I switched over to Forma. And their new Predator boot, honestly, is right on par with the... Uh, with the Garnet SC12, it feels a lot the same, and that it, um, it, it's very, very similar with the inside and the overall feel of the boot on the bike. And obviously, that Garnet has a great uh, name behind it, and like the quality is really good with the Forma as well. I, I like the fitment of it, and I, uh, I mean, I got small feet. I run size eight boots, and they fit me really good. And I don't have any issues with the boots at all. They. Uh, for how much I ride, it's unbelievable how long I can make a set of boots last with form, and it gives a good overall feel. It's not so stiff uh, to the point where you don't get a good feel with the bike, but it's not, you know, really. Uh, it's got enough support to where I feel confident in my ankles and my feet that I'm not going to injure myself because I'm just going strictly off of feel and not support. It's a, it's a really fine balance making a good boot, and uh, I've been really happy with the form, and I've been with them for, I think, uh, about four years now, and I haven't had any issues with their boots in the past. That's pretty solid, man. Uh, another uh, company that's, well, I wouldn't say exclusive to, to Canada, but definitely uh, has roots here, um, is would be the, the Atlas brace that you've done. Uh, neck braces have, like, in, like depending on your school of thought, some have a good wrap, some have a bad wrap. Some riders use them for uh, safety precautions. Some people just, like, they, they want them for, uh, like, they just feel safer in it. Uh, and some people, they, they don't want them at all. Uh, why do you choose to wear an Atlas brace, other than the fact that you're just good friends with uh, Salty? I've been uh, I've been a firm believer in neck braces ever since they came out. I believe it was 2007 when they kind of took over. And I wore a Liette uh, for the first couple of years. And once Atlas brace came out with their their brace, I mean, hands down, comfort-wise and support, it just made sense. Their design is leaps and bounds better than uh, Liette, as far as I'm concerned. And I would I would go buy an Atlas brace 
regardless and run that brace over any other neck brace on the market. And they're new. The new design is unbelievably like I I couldn't believe it when I put it on how much better it, it feels on you when you're riding. It's almost not even noticeable that it's there, but it still has that support that if you get into a crash, you you feel confident in the fact that it's going to be there to look after you and help protect you from any neck injuries is obviously what it's designed for. And I feel that it definitely can give me that comfort and peace of mind knowing that I have a good piece of equipment on that's not going to fail in a crash either. And it's definitely just there to uh, keep me safe and uh, reduce the risk of injury. Well, right on. So before the season, uh, before your injury, uh, you were in the group best, like pretty much best shape you've been in, in quite some time. Uh, you dedicated a lot more time this season to pre- preparation for the season compared to last year. Uh, what did you do in the months uh, after, like once we started getting some snow up here in the Great Canadian North, and uh, what did it look like after uh, Christmas for you? Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, I worked a bit in the fall. And the biggest difference between what I had going on in 2015 versus uh, years in the past was just the time to prepare that I gave myself. Uh, I always worked hard in the past, but it's just so tough when you're when you're working and you're trying to train afterwards and you leave yourself such a short window. I, I gave myself the opportunity to prep properly, rest, and build a good base and basically – get myself into good enough race shape to be up at the front is that's what I was shooting for. And that's what my goals were. So I did a lot of uh, base training in the month of January and early February at home, just riding my, my road, my Marin road bike on the stationary trainer and going to the gym pretty much uh, six days a week. I was doing that. I cycle in the morning and then I would lift in the afternoon. And I did that about six days a week for, about six weeks straight before I even got on the bike. So it made it a lot easier when I got down to California and started riding. So I already had this really good base of fitness and I was lean and I felt good and strong and healthy and I had no nagging injuries. And uh, it just gave me such a good period of time to prepare and be the way that I, I wanted to be when I got on the bike, as opposed to, like I said in the past, just kind of hopping on and trying to train and trying to ride and cast and race and everything all at the same time. So uh, it was nice to have that, that time to really prep properly. It it made a huge difference. uh, I thought when I got back on the bike in February in California. For sure. Like uh, you, I'm sure you're hitting the usual suspects, milestone, Paris, Paula. uh, If it's, is is Paula still open? uh, Either way. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Paula, Paula reopened this winter and it was definitely one of the, one of the spots to go. I was, uh, I'd usually ride there on Fridays at the end of the week. And other than that, uh, I stuck to comp edge in Glen Helen and I did a, a lot of off-road riding with Gary Sutherland. And I rode a little, some corner tracks up in the high des that Alessi trains on and yeah. Ricky Brayback and Gary himself. And, uh, I got to ride a lot of really cool rough sand tracks. And I think that, um, I think that ultimately helped me prepare, uh, for national level tracks a lot better than say the milestones or Paris because they're so, so basic in the mornings, they're smooth and kind of overwatered. And then in the afternoons they get so dry and slippery and they don't get that rough. So, uh, it was a really, really good prep for me to be riding with some of those off-road dudes and riding some gnarly corner tracks at like four or five minute lap times and 
it uh, definitely made training a little bit more fun this year, riding with guys like that, as opposed to uh, the moto tracks where you got, uh, you know, a hundred people there and you're kind of swerving around all these goons and the tracks aren't that rough and whatnot. So I was, uh, I was really happy with the way that the on the bike training went this way, uh, this winter as well. It was, uh, it was different, but I, I, I feel it benefited me personally as a rider. I mean, everybody's different. And, uh, I thought that it was uh, some of the best riding that I could do to prepare for how rough the tracks get on the Canadian circuit. All right, guys. All right, guys. It's time for a commercial. If there's one item to be picky about, it's choosing the right helmet. I'm Andrew Short, and I choose the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. You two can wear the exact same helmet I wear, Trey Kennard wears, Jimmy Albertson wears, and many others. The F2 Carbon is a helmet loaded with details that make a huge difference in comfort and safety. Lightweight materials, phenomenal airflow, and a super comfortable sweat-absorbing liner and generous eye port design to accommodate any goggle choice or just a few. And did I mention how super trick these helmets look? Straight off the shelf and onto the racetrack. If you are looking for one amazing helmet, look no further than the F2 Carbon from Fly Racing. For more information about Fly Helmets and other products from Fly Racing, visit them on the web at flyracing.com. What's wrong, Jeff? I don't know, Jay. Well, you better fuel up with a nutritious breakfast with oats and bran. Oats and bran? I didn't think there was such a thing. That's what I used to think. Now, I start out every morning with a bowl of Indigos. For extreme kids like us. X-Racing Man. But more than box, what Big Jeff likes is a fat bowl. Indigos with bran. Fat bowl. Indigos with bran. Oats for power. Brands for speed. Who that tastes, what a delicious treat. That's what I call fueling for the big ride. Hey, kids, start out every morning with a fat bowl. When it comes to helmets, there is just one. The helmet brand, that is. Just One Helmets is tailor-made for motocross and street bike riding, and now available in North America. Who chooses Just One? Well, for starters, Tim Geiser, winner of the Italian round in MX2, David Philipparts, Vicky Golden, Trevor Reese, as well as David Pulley. And you know what? So do I. I choose Just One Helmets because they're simply the safest, lightest, and most comfortable lid available. Want to know more about Just One Helmets? Check them out on the web at www.justonehelmets.com. Find out about the J12, the J32, and all of the colorways that are absolutely blow your socks off. So guys, please head over to www.justonehelmets.com today. Go check them out. You won't be disappointed. Two thousand and fourteen X Brand Goggles is back and better than ever. From the Scatter X, Volcano, and Phantom Goggle, X Brand has the product to make you stand out on race day. The quality of X Brand products is second to none. Great lenses, incredible frame, and a strap that doesn't wear out. Great tear offs, zip off systems, nose guard, and more. Check out EKSBrand.com 
for all of the accessories and pricing. WUSA is your one-stop shop for quality wheel sets in America. All of the best components built for the toughest conditions. Hit up WUSA.com, that's D-U-B-Y-A-U-S-A.com right now and check out the custom wheel builder selection. Pick your rims, pick your hubs, pick your spokes, even pick your nipples and see what it's going to look like on your bike. On the website, you'll drool over components like XL and DID rims, Talon and Kite aluminum hubs, Galfer and Brembo brakes, and spokes that take a licking and keep on ticking. The same wheels that you buy are built by the same guys we're building wheels for. Ryan Dungey, Jeremy Martin, Chad Reed, and the entire Geico Honda team. And I kid you not, if they are not told whose wheels are whose, they just build amazing product. And I want you guys in a set of W wheels. So do what I did and head to WBYAUSA.com today. WUSA, all things wheels. What's up, guys? It's time to talk a little bit about Roy Borden Race. He's the performance specialist. Suspension, making a motor work, balancing a bike, or just maintenance. He's got the tools and know-how to make sure that your bike is ready on race day or practice. Roy Borden has strength in years of experience and the best technology and best tools at his disposal. Whether you're getting your forks redone, seals, or a full, full-blown full rebuild on your forks or, or shock. Call up Roy Borton today at 204-633-2722. What was it like chasing down a guy like uh, ex-brand athlete Gary Sutherland? He's uh, a GNCC works like event winner. Uh, he's, he's champion in, in, the, in the off-road industry. Uh, what was it like chasing down a guy like that in the high des as well as uh, I'm sure you must have seen... Uh, uh, MX 101 athlete uh, Chris Kiefer up there a little bit too, or down there a little bit as well. Yeah, I met. Uh, I mean, I've always kind of known of Kiefer for a long time, and I became really good friends with him and Gary. And I met Gary through Chris, and uh, they definitely have become really good friends of mine. And uh, it was awesome riding with those guys. I mean, uh, they showed me a lot of good spots out in the desert, and I I did actually did a lot of training with Gary when his wrist healed up and he got back on the bike, we were, Oh, I was prepping with him before he came back to sand hollow for the works race. And, uh, I went out to Lucerne Valley for the national hare and hound that he, uh, won both weekends. And it was cool to just see everything and how different it is. And, uh, I mean, Gary's a gnarly dude. He, uh, he pins it. He's not afraid to, uh, crash and get up and keep going. And he basically, uh, he goes for gold when he's riding. And it was, um, I mean, when I first started riding with him, I was definitely off the pace on some of his corner tracks and stuff. And as I, uh, I learned from him and learned how to ride that stuff, uh, we were pretty similar in speed when we, uh, would ride some of the sand corner tracks. I mean, that dude would wax me out in the desert and his off-road skill on technical rocks from all the enduro cross that he's done in the past is unbelievable. And, uh, I can't believe how fast that dude goes on a moto track with his oversized tank and his, you know, 18 inch wheel and all his goofy setup for off road. And, uh, yeah, that guy is not afraid to pin it and, uh, definitely a solid training partner. Cause, uh, 
you know, he's in it to win it. And, uh, that's what he's going for. And that's what he's, I mean, we both kind of shared the same focus that way. And it, it made training a lot more fun knowing that you're going to the track with a guy that's going to be putting in a hundred percent effort, not pulling offering motos and just making it happen. So, uh, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed doing that. And, uh, luckily for me, I mean, me and Gary became good friends and, uh, it's definitely something that was, um, really good for me this winter riding with those guys. Right on, man. Well, I'm glad to see that it was a positive experience for you and definitely uh, a huge step forward in your progression as far as speed. And I'm sure you're going to be able to pick that back up right as soon as you have a full bill of health. Uh, How excited are you to to have that opportunity to to hopefully get both knees fixed uh, in in one calendar year's time, possibly come back and uh, have two brand new knees that are uh, not hindering you whatsoever, not holding you back, and uh, going into the 2016 season uh, with uh, a lot of optimism. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that I'm looking forward to. I mean, ultimately right now, I'm just kind of changing my goals in life and my focus on a few other things with education and jobs and that sort of thing, because uh, I'm 22 years old now, and I obviously need a source of income and I don't uh, necessarily want a pipeline for the rest of my life. So I'm taking advantage of this downtime just to uh, work on some education and probably go to school in the future. And, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to just being a hundred percent when I get back on the bike, because even, even in California, you know, a couple of times I twisted my bad knee and it just, uh, it's just tough trying to train and put in a hundred percent effort when you have these nagging injuries and, uh, it just causes you to take some time off the bike and time off training where, you know, you're a hundred percent, you don't have those issues and uh, you can just focus on getting better and better and stronger and stronger. And I obviously have a lot of time in the next, uh, you know, six to 10 months, depending on when I get surgery to seriously think about uh, my, my training and not overlook anything and see, uh, see where I want to go in the future with the, with racing. Right on, man. Um, any predictions that you can give us for the season? Uh, a lot of American guys coming up. Obviously, uh, uh, Fasciati with the one, number one played again for this year, or newly getting that back. Uh, well, how do you feel? How do you see things shaking down? Uh, and who do you think would be uh, Colton's uh, number one uh, challenger? I think for uh, Colton's biggest competitor all year is going to be Metcalf. I think he's got his program a little bit more fine-tuned for what he's going to be doing this year. Um, obviously, he, Metcalf's running Factory Connection Suspension, which is a company that he's all too familiar with, and he's bringing that up with him this year. And I think he knows a lot more on what he needs to do when he came up in 2013. I feel like Metcalf had a few bad starts, and he wasn't always the man to beat where anytime Colton gets on the track, you know, he's one of the top dogs and he brings that elite level of racing every time he lines up. And I think Maddie's going to be prepared for that better than ever. Uh, I'm not sure how Gerke's uh, going to be doing coming off a Cowie 250 app and breaking his collarbone and having minimal time on the 450, but uh, that dude's not afraid to pin it and go for wins. So I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Maddie... Colton and Gerke are going to be the elite of the field. And as far as that, I mean, I think Teddy and Tyler are probably going to be mixing it up a lot again this year. And same with Bobby. I think those three guys will kind of be in their, their battles and they'll be at the front when they have their moments. And, uh, but I, I do think Colton regarding, regardless of his hip injury will be, uh, 
be the dude to beat. I mean, he has so much self-confidence and belief in himself and his team and the bike that, uh, I mean, it's so hard to beat a guy who's so mentally confident and knows that he can line up and win at any time. And uh, he just has such a laid back, relaxed, clear focus when he's racing. It's just, he's, it's unbelievable really to see a guy like that go through so many injuries and to just keep coming back at such an elite level. And as far as two with the F stuff goes, I think, uh, I mean, my teammate Blake Savage has a lot of speed on the Yamaha 250F this year. I mean, Del Lake's been working hard to get him a, a setup that he's comfortable with, and Proven Motors has built him up a 250F, and I think uh, that's uh, Jordy's built Blake Motors in the past, so I think uh, that'll be a really, really good combination for them, and I think Blake will get good starts on that bike because it's got plenty of horsepower and, and speed, and uh, I'd be I really think Blake will be on the podium a lot this year. Um, Jeremy Medallia switched over to GDR Honda. I think if he ever has a chance to win the title, it's right now. And it's kind of now or never for him. And Jeremy's a good friend of mine. And he uh, he puts everything he's got, his heart and soul, into racing. And I'm sure he's put in more this off-season and preseason than he ever has in the past to take advantage of this opportunity with the Gopher Dunes Honda team. And I know Honda backs them in a big way and expects a lot out of their guys. So uh, they're not going to race unless they're going to win. And obviously uh, that's what his goals are, I'm sure. And I think you'll definitely see him at the front of the field. And I'd like to see my good buddy, Sean Moffenbeier from Swift Current, obviously right up there as well. I mean, he had good speed before his shoulder injury and he's back on the bike now. And from what I hear, he's getting comfortable and doing some testing and right back to where he was. So uh, from what I've seen of him this winter, and if he's right back to where he was, his speed's going to be right at the front as well. And obviously you can't uh, take Benoit out of the equation. It'd be interesting to see how he's going to do on a stock 252 stroke. I don't know if he'll quite be pulling hole shots by three, four bike lengths like he was last year, but uh, he seems <laughs> to ride that bike really good in the sand. And he's a, he's a tough guy to beat on the East coast. So, uh, I think the boys need to beat some confidence out of Benoit on the West Coast and get him back in the points and try to uh, take some wind out of those sails if they can right away. And I think that's what uh, what they're going to have to do to dethrone the champ. What What are your thoughts on that? Uh, a huge change in the rule for four, 252 strokes in the 252, 250F class, uh, the MX2. Um like, what What are your thoughts on the, the change making it so basically everything from the intake port to the uh, to the uh, exhaust port has to be 100% stock, uh, including the uh, the carburetor as well? Um, what are your thoughts on that change? Does that even the playing field? It definitely evens the playing field, but I, I feel like it would have been better for them to just go back to intermediate riders being allowed to ride 252 strokes. Uh, Nothing against the CMRC, but I really find it hard to believe that they're going to be doing protests on the regular to Never. make sure that these bikes are within the legal uh, limits of what they have assigned to the class. I mean, they really have brought up the cost of teardowns and the potential of people wanting to tear these bikes down, which a two-stroke is a lot easier to tear it apart and look at it. But ultimately, I mean someone could have their transmission tumbled and all that sort of thing. That's going to cause more power out of those bikes. And yeah. theoretically they're not allowed to do that. That's, that's in the rule book. And uh, I'd really like to see CMRC step up to the plate and start doing more teardowns, whether it be the 252 strokes or 250 F. And 
obviously it's an ongoing problem with people running, uh, you know, oversized pistons and big bores and that sort of thing. And, uh, especially, uh, privateers seem to do that. The, the race teams have budgets to keep their bikes running. So obviously none of them are going to risk it at that level, but, uh, it's, I, I really hope that CMRC steps up to the plate and backs their rules because other than that, the the whole rule was pointless and uh, it's just going to cause more drama in the class as far as I'm concerned. But I'm I'm not CMRC. I don't know what they have in store and I would hope that they, uh, they tear down within the top 10 without telling anybody just, just to see and keep people on the edge of their seats and hopefully embrace the rules that they are, uh, they're enforcing. Well, uh, I, this this might be all hearsay, but uh, I have heard rumblings that the 800 might be showing up on a two-banger uh, once he comes up to a couple of uh, Canadian nationals. Might even be racing it in the 450 class. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, you know, I honestly, I don't really understand those dudes. Uh, <laughs> the Alessis and the whole Moto Concept program, they do some funny stuff. And I just seen their PR sent out that Mike's going to race in Europe and then he's going to race in in Canada and the U S and they didn't really establish any dates other than the, I think it was great Britain where they were going to go race. And other than that, they just kind of leave everything wide open. So, uh, I mean, cool. They're trying something different, but, uh, I mean, uh, I guess it's whatever they want to do for press and media purposes to get, uh, all the, whatever they feel is going to support their team to go racing and, uh, have fun with it, I guess. Uh, it's definitely seems like a lot more laid back approach for the Alessi, uh, group, I guess you could say, and usually they're chasing championships, and that's what they've always worked for in the past. Um, so I don't know. That sounds uh, that sounds pretty weird. I mean, I could see Mike showing up on a few of the two stroke. They do some weird stuff, like I said, and you never know what uh, what old Tony Alessi's got going on out there and what he's going to decide to do. Yeah, Mike might show up on a KX sixty. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, you never know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it was pretty comical last year at Calgary. I. Uh, I jumped the gate a bit, and Mike was right beside me, and he, he drove into the gate so hard because he got pretty excited when I started going, and the gate didn't drop yet, and he, he smoked the gate. And I remember watching it on TV, Tony just instantly grabbing his hat and holding his head in panic, and obviously Mike went on to just destroy everybody, that moto, and come yeah. through the pack. But uh, it's pretty funny to see the, how intense they are, and I, I came across them a couple times in California out there with their stopwatches, getting lap times on everybody and seeing what everybody's doing. So they, uh, those dudes definitely don't leave any stones unturned and you just never know what they're going to do and what they feel they need to do to win and make some money racing. Well, the craziest thing last year was I was at the, uh, the Regina round and uh, I was pitted, uh, I was uh, mechanicking in air quotes, mechanicking for uh, Adam Pfeiffer. I'm not too sure if you're familiar uh, but, um, he, he was, he was pitted right beside, uh, or he was, his gate pick was right beside, uh, Alessi. So, uh, we're, we're, I'm prepping his gate, this kind of thing. And, uh, Mike rolls into the start gate and all of a sudden realizes like it's on the five board, realizes his start device isn't down. So he's like screaming at his mechanic to get over there and chain, like to, to push it down. So that, like the guy jumps up in front. Everyone's bikes are almost getting ready to get pinned. He's pushing the button. Mike's trying to push it down. They go like they click twice with it. It doesn't get down. He's like, "Get the fuck out of here!" And then uh, the, like the the guy like walks out of there. He's just like he's swearing. Uh, uh, Tony's swearing. Mike doesn't pull the whole shot. 
quite the moto. Um, did you end up finishing that moto, or were you one of the uh, the casualties of uh, not being able to finish? That doesn't surprise me. It sounds like uh, something the lessees would do on the line, but nonetheless, uh, that race was absolutely insane. Quagmire. Um, luckily, I got a I got a decent say. start and. I think I crashed three or four times that moto, and every time I crashed, I wasn't even on the track. I was on the grass beside it because it downpoured, and my tires were so full of mud that it was just like ice, and it would slide out and crash, and it was so unbelievably hard to pick my bike up. But uh, You were out there with Canary. Yeah, uh, Canary was out there, and he was pinning it, and somehow, uh, I mean, Chisholm started a lap down and drove like unbelievable laps the whole race, and he... He passed me, I don't remember it, but he unlapped himself and finished fifth, and I ended up finishing seventh that moto, and uh, I'm pretty sure I lapped I lapped eighth, and I lapped ninth <laughs> twice, but then I got lapped by everybody ahead of me, so it was, it was insane, like that whole race was crazy, I think the top three lapped me, and I did uh, seven laps, and I think top three or top four did eight laps, and that that race was insane, and my bike literally had one shot glass of coolant left in it, and I didn't think it was going to make it the last lap. It was sputtering and so hot, and I was it was just all I could do to get that thing around the track. And my uh, I had Oakley air brakes on, but the mud was so heavy that the roll off system I would pull it, and the mud would just stick to my goggles, and it it literally the mud came onto my lens, and I would Smearing pull it, but it. it piled up it piled up on the roll off side so bad that I couldn't see. And I went to grab the mud and I ripped the, uh, I ripped the film and I ended up having to throw my goggles and that whole race was just crazy. My gloves were so full of mud. And the crazy thing was, is they were thinking about doing another moto afterwards. And I, my, I mean, my bike was, uh, I overheated my motor so much that it, it warped the head just from one twenty or 25 minute moto in that mud. Cause it was just so thick and deep and, Wow. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the toughest mud races I've ever had to do. No doubt, obviously. Uh, I'm not sure if I don't think you were a professional when uh, the the mud race in Morden. I think that's 2007. You might have still been. Yeah, on the east wasn't. Time. Uh, yeah, that was slightly before me, and that one looked ridiculously yeah. bad. And as far as other mud races, I mean, I did a uh, Saint Tech in '09, and that one was really watery and slippery, and. Uh, Walton in 2011 at the season finale that was really bad as well but just the Regina mud with the rain right before and then how thick it was it just the mud and the consistency of it was so thick and heavy it was yeah it was ridiculous and they tilled it up and it literally formed like a trough and all the water ran down into the track as opposed to off the track and it just it ruined that place for sure, and of course, like during staging, there was no rain, and then all of a sudden, the the monster, the rock star girl, goes out on the top front straight away, and the rains came hitting you guys. It was uh, quite the moto. Glad I was able to be there. Uh, thanks for giving me forty minutes, man. Really appreciate it. I know my uh, my fans are gonna love this. Uh, your fans are gonna love this. A little bit of CanCon for all of uh, my my podcast uh, Canadian content. Very important, and uh, it was. It, uh, Happy to have have you on, man. Uh, hope you're uh, you heal up fast, uh, and we'll we'll see you have a, a full program in 2016. All right, Brad. Thanks a lot. And uh, anytime you want me on the show, just give me a call. I'll be more than happy to. 
give you some uh, press and love, and as well as all my sponsors, and thanks all the listeners for supporting the uh, Canadian motocross, and uh, thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, throw down those sponsors for me one before, uh, before I let you go, and uh, we'll definitely have you on to uh, do some race reviews throughout the season. Yeah, that would be awesome, and uh, you know, like uh, like always, I can't thank all my sponsors enough to get me where I am today. Uh, Obviously, my biggest number one supporter right now is Devils like Motocross, Riverside Motorsports, Motovan, GM Stetson, Terra Pro, Answer, Oakley, Descent Labs, Dunlop, um, Forma Boots, Atlas Brace. I mean, the list is endless of all our supporters and Cam Bratton at Motovan for all that he does and helping us out with everything uh vp fuels maxima dr d motion pro recycle motorcycles high flow filtro ride industries graphics and as well as all my uh my personal sponsors that have stood behind me like muscle milk and marion bicycles and again oakley canada and former boots alice brace i uh, i can't thank everybody enough for being behind me in my career and wanting to see me succeed and uh supporting me with all my efforts uh thanks a lot guys and i hope uh everybody listening understands that and gives back to the sport so that uh we can do what we do right on man you uh rest up feel better and uh, i'll get to editing this thing have it out uh, in the next hour or so awesome dude thanks a lot appreciate it take care you have yourself a good one bye-bye thank you for listening to the big mx podcast brought to you by x-brand goggles be sure to check out our archive for episodes you may have missed. Check out our website at BigMXRadio.com for more content.